Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. And I'm Tom Scioli. And we are very excited to sit down with cartoonist Tom Scioli to talk about I Am Stan, your, shall I say, follow-up to your Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of Jack Kirby book, and now you're doing I Am Stan, the story of Stan Lee. Uh, often the two are laced together throughout mm -hmm. history. What led you to do a Stan Lee book? It seems like originally you were a Kirby guy. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, all that is kind of immaterial. You know what I mean? Like when you're when you're making a book, it's like, um, you know, where's where's this line of thought leading me? And Stan, Stan Lee, like when I was making the Jack Kirby book, Stan Lee was kind of like this force of nature. Like he almost kind of like threatened to take over the book. He's such, I mean, you're making a comic. It's cartoon. And Stan Lee had already sort of in real life turned himself into a cartoon character, you know. And so when he shows up in that environment, he kind it kind of you know sucks up all the oxygen. And so that was something as I was making the book, it's like, oh God, how do, how does he not become like Fonzie? How does it not become like, oh, I want to follow this guy around. I want to see what this guy's up to. So it naturally makes sense that like when you do your spinoff, Fonzie gets the spinoff, you know. <laughs> Let me ask you this. We looked at Alan Moore's masterclass recently, and one of the things that he talks about is you've got to be able to empathize with the various characters. Otherwise, yeah. you get a flat character. Do you empathize with Stan Lee? Do you identify with Stan I, Lee? So much. So much. Like, I feel like we all have our Jack Kirby side, and our Jack Kirby side is probably, like, very developed because cause we're, like, sitting down doing the drawing. But we also have a Stan Lee side, and I feel like, you know, doing YouTube and stuff like that, it kind of... Your Stan, your Stan Lee side starting to get nurtured a little bit too. You know? I see that. I see that blazer. <laughs> exactly. It's getting kind of like, uh, you know, like Jekyll and Hyde in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where it's like, oh, Mr. Hyde used to be shorter than me, and now he's this giant, and I'm, you know, be, be, you know, so, so yeah. I mean, we, so I, I empathize with him so much, and the thing that really put it over the top as like Stan, as somebody I could actually sit down and spend a lot of time, like a, a year at the least in his world and in his head is just the nature of his last days. Mm -hmm. Stan Lee is somebody who you could understand people kind of being envious of, like, oh, I wish I had Stan's Lee, Stan Lee's life. But having seen the whole story, I, I don't I don't think anybody wishes they were Stan Lee. Like like his last days were just so sobering to me. So like so much of my empathy for him kind of is is cemented there but of course you know of course like stan lee was like you know he was my introduction to like oh yeah comics are made by real people like it, stan lee was the first one like he you know and um he's in there he's in my sort of you know child's mentality you know like watching those amazing spider-man cartoons he's the narrator it's like this is and so then any disappointment that a lot of us have with Stan Lee as we grew up was just learning the real story of, you know, of like, oh, wait, this guy I had set up up here is actually not way up here. He's, you know, so, you know somewhere less than that. And, and so then it's the fall from that height that, that, that brings about the disappointment. But as you get older, you kind of you just like your empathy in general just grows. But yeah, like I have so much empathy for Stanley. And there's so much to like there too. There was a lot of stuff in the news uh, at, at, yeah. at that sort of end period. And you kind of bookend, you know, the narrative with mm -hmm. that, that end period stuff. So so talk about uh, that that period. Yeah. Because because I think, uh, you know, the another name for the fanboy uh, in comics could be the, like, idolater. Mm-hmm. 
it's going to uh, you know kick kick a little dust on on uh, these pe- people's kind of false idols and things. I mean that like you know you talk about news and like when you think of news you think of like you know tuning you know channel 11 or something and seeing like the news anchor but it's like we're in this phase where we're getting information from really like from the from sideways where it's like oh you see like maybe like somebody posting something somewhere and you're not sure what it like it was so like with that stan lee thing it was kind of like the first thing i remember just really experiencing in this like new media landscape where it's like it wasn't like something i saw on the nightly news or, or read in an article it was like you just it's like this weird like link this youtube and you just see that video of stan at a convention, you know, like, you know, falling and all that. So it's like, you're just getting all this like disconnected, very uh, concerning. Well, that piece right there yeah. that you open the book with that. Yeah. And that, uh, is not up for interpretation. Sure. Yeah. He's there signing books and some douchebags off the camera <laughs> are spelling his name for him. And the juxtaposition of that, like, is a very sad notion because it is like, he is fully out of it. Like they sort of, you know, wound him up in the back to like do this thing and he can't even spell his own name. You know, like there's, there's no, what's the interpretation? Like that's legit. Yeah. It's, I mean, and like my whole life with Stan Lee as this, you know, you know, person, this, uh, I, I guess you'd call it like a parasocial relationship, you know, like this, this person who's been in my life since I was a child. Um, that is the lasting image for me. Is yeah. this, this like, like when I think of Stan Lee, I don't think of spider Like I think of that. I think of him at that show, so it is like you know. Yeah, let's 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 let's, let's, let's talk about. Uh, we were there when you met, you met Stan. One I met. Time. Yeah, you guys were there. Yeah. On the on the on the ride down to uh, Heroes that year, I believe the first Avengers was out, and uh, a topic of conversation you would bring up is like, you know what, Marvel's not getting any money from me in the theaters. I'm not watching any of these movies, man, for what they did to Jack, all this yada yada yada. We were going back home, and like the trick is, you leave a couple of minutes early from the convention because you could get the elevator before everybody else. <laughs> That's the move. Yeah. And we were there, and out comes Stan Lee, and you—I don't even think I saw feet touch the ground. <laughs> but like you just kind of material, like just kind of hovered over to him, and like Stan Lee, and shook hands and had a moment. So explain that. Man. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about hovering, like because my memory of it involves hovering too, and it was like I was coming from the outside, and again doing the thing, and. I think you guys had already made it to the hotel oh, no. room. Oh, no. I, I witnessed okay. this. I was right Okay. There. Well, I'm going to... This may... Conf- Again, multiple books, <laughs> you know, multiple <laughs> points of views. I'll tell you my point of view. And obviously, it, it may conflict with yours. That's the nature of memory. But I remember being outside, walking towards the hotel. And then as I'm going in there, there's Stan Lee and, and one of his handlers. And that he almost like danced up the stairs, like Fred is doing this like sideways sidestep again, you know, the, the memory that might, but wearing this like white suit might, might've been off white, might've been cream, but, but dressed all in white, kind of like luminous, kind of like, you know, lighter than air waltzing up the stairs. And then I'm at the elevator and I'm supposed to go up, uh, uh, like I'm going to go up to the room and refresh or whatever and see, see you guys or whatever. So my memory is you guys are already up in the room. And then we're waiting for the elevator, and that's I'm talking to Stan Lee, shake shake hands, we talk and stuff. 
And then the elevator door opens and then you guys come out and, and you know, just sort of a coincidence because like we all are going to go to the same place next. So it's kind of perfect. We're all there at the same time. So that's, so, so that's Jimmy, my... you're the tie breaking. <laughs> what, what, what happened? <laughs> what happened that day? You know, I have a terrible memory. I have no memory of Tom and Stanley. I definitely wasn't there. I may have been sleeping in the room. Well, no, because because then then you guys came down. There might have been one or two, like maybe Ben Mara or something. I think I, I yeah. remember Ben Mara. One, one or two other guys might have been there, too. And then we just and then. After that, the whole talk was like, "Oh, you talked to Stan. Well, what'd you guys talk about? What'd you do? What'd you do that?" And I, I don't quite remember the particulars of the conversation. I remember telling him that I was a big fan, and then he said some kind of like funny thing in response. You know, some, you know, some probably something he's said a million times, or maybe, you know, maybe just something that came up in the moment. But we had like a nice, nice little talk, and and then and then yeah, that was that, and that was it's my... a very memorable elevator. I feel like from <laughs> Carl Rove to Stan Lee, right, a lot yeah. of stories. In that that might have been elevator. the sa- that might have been the same Could year have been too. The same <laughs> Here, man. And then I felt uh, I felt like I got the the short the, the short end of the stick. If, if you think about it, like yeah, like like Heroes Con right around that time might have been like the center of the universe when you think of like where everybody's gone since then. Us, Stan Lee, Carl Rove, like you know. <laughs> Tom, I wanted to talk research a little bit on this. Yeah. Because um, Stan is so well chronicled. Yes. So many people worked with him. So. Did you find anything very surprising in your research? Did you talk to people that had a lot of firsthand accounts of working with Stan? Yeah, it's um, like Stan, it, it's kind of like like I already had a Stan Lee life story already fi- figured. You know what I mean? Like, we, you know, and and when you do this kind of project, it's like, OK, I have my Stan Lee life story figured out. And then it's like, okay, well, now let me go fact check that. Yeah. So then you go down that hole and you, you're like, okay, that thing that I think happened with Stanley, let me double check and see where I got that from and if it lines up. And then that kind of leads you on to the next thing and on, on to the next thing. And so, so yeah, it... it um, the editors do some work in the book up front to kind of give like that preface, like this is not authorized by the Stanley estate or, you know, Marvel Comics or, or anything like that. So you cover your bases that way. And then at the yeah. end... There's bibliographies and, and links mm-hmm. and, and pieces about, you know, what, what podcast this might be from or You're you right know, this the, article, that article. Like with, compared to the Jack Kirby thing, there is a lot of like, like Jack Kirby, there's a lot of interviews with him and a lot of really substantive interviews too. And then there's a little bit of video, but with Stan, it's like so documented. Like you can watch Stan Lee on, on TV from like, you know, the, the 60s till, you know, not too long before his death you know there's there's video so it's like just an amazing uh there's there's just so much there and i feel i feel like you know uh it it really is just a matter of of like omission of like editing of like what what do you include what because yeah very well documented the interesting thing like i i feel like stan lee's interviews were never as substantive as the jack kirby ones and i will fade yes Mm -hmm. and 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 uh you Let's talk a little formal stuff, man. Like because you uh, clearly have grown uh, since since the Kirby yeah. book, and uh, one of the pages that jumps out uh, to my mind is a very early page. I, th- I think you might have even shown that online, where he's telling the same old story that we heard five thousand mm-hmm. times, and you used almost like a Warhol approach yeah. to even maybe even show the evolution of mm-hmm. Stanley grow, you know, full funky Flashman stuff, yeah. man, from like early Stanley to you know stanley with the helmet with the sunglasses yeah. and all that stuff man uh and it's like a nine panel grid mm-hmm. you play with color and it's one continue it's the story we all know you all yeah. heard oh, i was i was gonna quit and yeah. my wife told me to mm-hmm. like that whole bit and there's some formal stuff happening uh from kirby to this point 
there's some Cro-Magnum stage involved here to get you from there to the uh, Stan Lee book because there's just there's so much growth that mm-hmm. has happened that is uh, I mean I th- I think this is a masterpiece comic oh thanks I, I mean I've done hundreds of pages of comics since the Jack Kirby book and um, you know hardly any of it's seen print a lot of it I've shared like on on Instagram and, and on my Patreon and stuff but I've done like there is a lot of artistic growth that's happened since since then so it's it's natural and that's why it was kind of important to me like even even during like times where I maybe didn't have a job lined up I didn't want to just sit and let my skills languish. I to, so yeah, exactly. I wanted to keep sharpening the sword, get get ready for when when you get that call and then and then you're ready to go. So, um, like if you look at the stuff that I've been doing the past couple years and like through the pandemic and stuff, the Stan Lee stuff evolved like straight out of that. And and it was like I was trying to. It's like kind of a reading experience I've been trying to uh, create for a really long time. Tr- trying to make comics where there is no obstacle to the reading experience where like the reading experience is purely pleasurable like you know it's how manga works like manga yeah and and i've been reading a lot of manga and stuff but it's just like you know sometimes you do comics that are you know you have these like clever ideas and stuff but this time i wanted to just make it just so accessible and just so immediate and 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 so yeah it's it is a very different reading experience. And Stan's a different guy than Jack Kirby, too. So it makes sense, you know. That's a conversation, man. Because now we could talk like a little of the Rashomon part. Yeah. Where you need both books. Mm-hmm. You need the Kirby book. You need the Stan Lee book. Because you do see the same scenes happening yeah. in both books. But it's that exact thing that Frank Miller would talk about with um, Dark Knight Returns. Where if this was a Superman book, Batman would be the villain, and I would mm-hmm. portray him as such. Yeah. So uh, the ocarina scene comes to mind, <laughs> where in the Kirby book, through his interviews with Gary Groth and stuff, I think I think we even have a video where we dissect that interview. He's talking about this young fucking nepo baby, who's who's coming into their office like playing an ocarina. Which yeah. Who who knew those even existed right. beyond <laughs> Legend of Zelda? You know. What yeah. I mean? yeah. <laughs> and. And you make him a big doofus dancing on tables and stuff. And uh, in the Stan Lee book, that same moment happens. And all the same stuff happens. Even uh-huh. even Kirby is like, ah, oh, this fucking annoying kid. But you play it a little more straight. So yeah. there's all those choices that, that come into play, which is a, a fascinating piece of editing that is the invisible stuff on the page. Yeah, I mean, a p- point of view is important. And like, especially in comics, like there's so much you can do with point of view and stuff. And and. The, the you know I, I tried to be as factual as possible with both of these books but there's so the gray areas are huge sure. so there's a lot of uh, of that and 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 they're both subjective narratives too so le- like the the Jack Kirby book is like you said so much like from Jack Kirby's point of view and I think like you know the artwork reflects that and stuff and then the stand too so it's like just looking at Jack Kirby in the Jack Kirby book where it's kind of like from his point of view and we're in his head and in his world and the way Jack Kirby looks, the you know the way he interacts with that world, and then you see Jack Kirby show up in the Stan Lee book, and it's it's not the internal Jack Kirby, it's the external Jack Kirby. It's what Jack Kirby looked like to young Stan Lee, where it's like Jack Kirby is like I don't know maybe like five or six years older than Stan. The age difference isn't that huge, but he's an old pro, and I'm I'm the 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 office boy. I'm the guy who gets sandwiches, you know. 
it's so interesting to think about that in terms of the writing, as you were saying, Ed, where it's like it's very readable, this Stan Lee book, in a way that's different than the Kirby book. And yeah. it, I never thought about it till this moment, but it's great because the Kirby book does reflect the artist and how he told stories versus Stan Lee and that silver tongue. You know, like yeah. it just makes it so easy to read. And you mentioned manga as being a, uh, you know, a very easy read. What you're doing is a totally different approach, though. Yeah. You know, I don't want people mm -hmm. to expect this to be the manga biography of Stan Lee right. because I think you've you've you're doing something else that I can't think of another comic that does it. And I'll describe it as like each page pretty much as a scene, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah. Um, and it's mostly all told through dialogue. It might all be told through dialogue. I'm trying to think if there was a, a moment or two that wasn't. Mm -hmm. And and, and the, the time stuff is great because you're capturing the career. And there are things visually that you can point to to uh, suggest the time. It is Stan's receding hairline. <laughs> right, yes. yeah, that's a timeline. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. like when he's trying on the different toupees mm -hmm. and shit, and when he creates his funky Flashman-type persona. Uh, one of the pieces that I thought was really, really smart was uh, the evolution. Like, you could you could tell time by looking at... You had an exterior shot of, like, the Marvel offices from the earliest days, like, throughout, you know, Atlas, Timely, mm -hmm. Marvel, and then it just gets to be a bigger and bigger kind of skyscraper, or... You know, we know it is a section in that giant skyscraper, yeah. but the implicit image mm -hmm. makes it feel like, okay, Marvel's just growing and stuff like that. So, so, like, there are these, it's really smart visual language stuff that you're putting in there so that you don't even have to put, you know, December 1966 sure. or it, none of that is in there. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, okay. I, again, just trying to make a direct experience. And how many movies do you watch where it's like, you know, 1967, or a voiceover saying, and then Stan moved. You know, so it's like, if you're watching a movie, you're just taking it all in, and it's up to you and your, and you know, to kind of put all the pieces together. And you shouldn't, you know, again, that's a choice. I've done work, I've done comics where I do play into that, like uh, G.I. Joe or something, where it's like, there's like a new, uh, you know, like title every page, or sometimes multiple panels, the title, should, you know, playing with those aspects. But again, I, this time, I've done all kinds of different comics. I wanted to get out of the way. I, and you know, so appropriate for Stan, snappy patter, you know? So like, if you were doing a direct translation of like a Stan Lee comic book, it would have overbearing Absolutely, narration, right. <laughs> overbearing dialogue, but it's like, I'm not doing a Stan Lee, a, a comic book that Stan Lee would make. I'm doing Stan Lee, the guy, as a comic. So it's gonna be breezy, likable, affable, fast moving, funny, you know, it's, it, so capturing that, you know. The videos are brought to you by the books that we make, but uh, the videos are also uh, sustained by uh, the Patreon support at uh, our various levels. You can hit the description in uh, the below this video to see what could suit your needs. And uh, depending on your level of the support, you're seeing us record uh, our entire sessions before anybody else, and you're getting uh, videos before anybody else does. Uh, completely mitigates the kayfabe effect but we do have books out in the wild and books that are forthcoming jimmy what do you have hulk grand design street angel deadliest girl alive and the plain janes are all of my books that are in print and available now my next book street angel princess of poverty will be out in may from image comics you can start pre-ordering that now it's completely different comics than deadliest girl alive and will complete the street angel set Fantastic, man. Uh, coming in May, uh, Red Room Crypto Killers issue one. Printed up the cover right there, man. Uh, that's your regular cover. You guys have been asking about uh, sketch covers. 
So we're going to put one of those out for uh, Red Room Crypto's Killers issue number one coming out in May. There are two existing trade paperbacks of that out there. Uh, here's the cover for issue two. Your store might be able to sell, to uh, offer you that one right now. A lot of people have been asking, man, is Jimmy going to do a variant for issue one? Let me show you guys just a little a little glimpse of uh, <laughs> Jimmy's cover, man. We'll, we'll announce that at a, at a later date, but... Some of you guys know what that is, man. Two existing trade paperbacks of Red Room out there right now, Antisocial Network and uh, Trigger Warnings. Four volumes, Hip Hop Family Tree, celebrating its 10-year anniversary. Hit my link in the description below, man. Like, I got an announcement uh, about that in, in the not-too-far uh, future. Three volumes, X-Men Grand Design and WYSIWYG are out there in the wild right now. We thank you guys so much for supporting our books. We thank you so much for supporting the channel through the Patreon. Yeah, I think it'll be really exciting to see how people receive the book mm -hmm. because we're comic fans. Like yeah. we know we have our own versions of Stan Lee's biography in our heads, you know, going yeah. into this thing. I think it will appeal to a wider audience because you take cartoon Stan Lee and you basically show us Stanley as a person, yeah. his family, his stuff outside of uh, maybe what we think of as his nepotistic advantages and mm -hmm. things like that. And that's super rich. And I think that that's not represented a lot. Like it feels literary to me to watch this guy suffer, grow old, have ups and downs in his career. A lot of the stuff that like Stan was guarded in interviews. Like that's yeah. not the stuff we were going to get. We were going to get Disney's Marvel, you know, it was mm -hmm. going to be great and it was going to be sales. And what we're seeing is more of a portrait of a, of a person yeah. Which is amazing because it's Stan Lee. And it's and it's ballsy to, to do that. Mm -hmm. Once again, because of the idolaters who like worship at the altar of Stan Lee, uh, they want that rosy picture. Mm -hmm. They want the kayfabe, but you are showing these these other angles. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe it's like uh maybe I'm stupid or something, but like I like that kind of stuff doesn't scare me. Like, you know, like stepping into and, and I maybe because like, you know, where I am in my life, where we are in our lives, it's like, uh, you know, I've, I've been sort of hardened. I've had Transformers fans give me shit. <laughs> I've had Jack Kirby fans give me shit. I mean, the Stanley thing's going to be a different scale. The, but you the, know. the hierarchy of needs is met. You yeah. got, you got mm -hmm. people who fucking love you. The bills are paid. Like, all the real shit is cool. And whatever anybody says. Sure, yeah, exactly. Can, like, I am... Just fuck them. I'm so much better, like, armed... For any kind of reaction in general. Like, I also feel that the way that everything gets uniformly shit on these days is actually really helpful. Because then it's like nothing. It's white like, noise. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, as soon as you people start to try to cancel Jack Kirby yeah. for his transgressions, it's like, okay, they, they've hit the limit. It's over. Like, just ignore them. It's the same people crying about the same stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I believe this book can be sold outside of comics. I think okay. the people that are just interested in pop culture and history, and I mean, you think of how big the MCU is sure, beyond yeah. the comic book shops. I think there'd be interest for anybody. If you read historical biographies, I'm saying this is a book for you mm -hmm. or for that person in your life that reads those things. Yeah, perfect gift Here's, for the comics person in your life. Does, does, the visuals are unique to me. I can't think of another comic that looks like it. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any? Were there any that, that you look at and think, yeah, there's some visuals I, I stole from here or there? Because I love that it looks different. It's yeah, amazing. It, it looks like very different from anything I've ever done. Like, it, it, yeah, it's a completely different thing. I mean, I guess like what I would think is like if uh, Hank Ketchum were doing Dennis the Menace, but with Frank Miller Ronin layouts. <laughs> That's how you get here. You know? I love that you say that. Man. My, my head is in that space right yeah. now. The other cool thing about this comic is it is a history of mainstream comics, like using mm -hmm. uh, Stan Lee as just kind of a cipher because we're hitting all 
aspects of it down to the part where yes the comics men were not happy in that position it was not like yeah. a, a position of high esteem so you have this little uh glimmers of stan trying to make it in the uh comic strip space mm -hmm. uh and you capture you know you do play the hits uh so there is the stan lee stuff where he's at the cocktail party and is the way you do it as a strip is so fantastic and i don't know that anybody could have done it better where he's kind of skirting around what the job mm -hmm. really is oh i work in publishing oh what is it? Like, <laughs> right. like, yeah. like we've heard that story from him mm -hmm. a million times and you can interpret that any number of ways in a comic book page but I, th I think you just you fucking nail it you nail all the hits uh as i'm reading it with the stuff information that i know it's like okay man now we have joe manili like when is the joe manili tragedy going to yeah. happen and like what kind of uh, attention does that get Boom, we get that. Like, it's all in here. Yeah, it's interesting because there are some things that are, like, so important to, like, I guess, like, the fandom or the the comics culture or the cult of personality of Stan. Yeah, the legend. Yeah, and so, so and then you also balance that against stuff that's, like, maybe, you know, the, the, the comics history or whatever doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't merit as much of a mention, but it's, like, is so important to Stan. So, like, that stuff's in there, too. So, you know. It's definitely, yeah, I don't want to give the message that this isn't for comics fans because yeah. it's very right, rewarding sure, as a yeah. comic book nerd. I love like seeing Wally Wood come in and we get mm -hmm. to see Wally Wood on Daredevil with Stan, yeah. some back and forth there that as a comics history fan, love it. See that episode of uh, Cartoon uh, Yeah, exactly, because sometimes, like I've been working on this thing for a while and sometimes be over here and we'd, we'd be doing a video and we'd be talking about stuff that was like, oh yeah, that was on my drawing board or that, <laughs> or I'm about to draw that or what, you know, so it was all like very fresh. There's great stuff with media too. Like there's a sequence whenever he's selling the Hulk to Hollywood and yeah. I loved seeing that, you know, coming off a of Hulk grand design. Like that was something I looked up. Mm -hmm. It was cool to hear that description, but even like trying to get Spider-Man on the screen, it's so rich. Whatever your connection to Stan Lee is, I feel like you're addressing it in this book. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, you could almost, like, you could the title could almost be, like, uh, you know, for one audience, you, you could create a different, cup, maybe, like, a slipcover that's, like, the man behind the Marvel cameos, <laughs> you know, for people <laughs> who've never opened a comic book, but, you know. Absolutely. You know, because there are so many entry points for Stan, and it is so interesting approaching his life, because he lived for such a long time, and he was so active in all these areas, and yet his, like, his great artistic moment his great creative moment like the the moment that that you know he's still celebrated for is that sort of narrow window of like 60s marvel and that like those are the things that sort of stand the test of time but when you look at his life there's so much that was going on in his life before that so much and then this like when they say oh, there's there's no second acts in american lives like Stan had second acts, third acts, fourth, like, it just kept going and going. You know, he's the TV name, producer. The name yeah, the name equity became, like, a viable, valuable yeah. brand mm -hmm. that people were attaching that fucking name to a million things, man. The New Adams hockey team shit. Yeah. Or was it football? Was it hockey, football, one of those? There's, there's like, a hollowing out that happens, too. Like, it's interesting, like, that... that you know, navigating that space too, where it's like, okay, you you are a brand now, and like this increasing, like your your willingness to hollow yourself out, and people, you know, and people having their their worldviews, their views of what you are, and then this temptation to like play into it, or you know, and... well, creating the kayfabe, uh, Stan Lee as icon, yeah. uh, some stuff is just kind of like lost to history, and there's definitely elements that I was completely unaware of. Two things come to mind. Him with the whip, which I saw the yeah. Al Jaffe 
Yeah. Christmas card or whatever, where right. Stanley where he's got a whip being Santa Claus, and yeah. that that just seemed like a jolly joke. It's Al Jaffe, the mad guy, doing some some caricaturing, but having the a CCTV camera installed in an office yeah. like in the 60s or <laughs> mm-hmm. 50s or something. I mean, what is that? $20,000 of infrastructure to make that kind of thing happen? Where did you discover that? And, and, and tell the people well, a little I mean, bit about there, that. I, you know, there's a point in like when like comics are this huge media, th- like where they are mainstream. And, they, you know, in like, you know, the, the 40s and stuff where it's like this huge business and like cash is just coming in, you know, uh, you know, in barrels, you know, at that point. And so, uh, and, and there is this era, it's like the post-war Stan. Stan Lee had this like moment in his like twenties where it's like after World War II, he came back and all his worst qualities came out. He became like l'enfant terrible. Like he, <laughs> like it, and it is this period and you can tell he kind of, it was like a fever and then it broke and he got over it. And like elements of that were there before, elements were there after, but it was like at its worth. And he becomes, and so you would hear the stories of guys at that time when there really was a Marvel bullpen. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it wasn't called Marvel, but it was like, there were in-house guys and you'd have like the Al Jaffe's, you'd have- um, Vince Fago. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the whole crew. And um, it was the thing, like, you know, there's there's these different, like, Stan Lee documentaries and stuff. And, like, I, I would hear this story about, oh, Stan would come in with a whip and he'd start with, and, like, I'm thinking it's, like, metaphorical and stuff. But then, like, there, I, I found, like, a couple different accounts. I think John Buscema is one of, like, John Buscema, I think, is the one who tells the story on camera. But that he's like, Stan would come in with a whip and he would start whipping us. And it, ha ha, it's a joke. But meanwhile, you're like, you're like whipping these like tough Italian guys. And so I'm just trying to imagine like what the reality is. Cause it's like, ha ha, here I'm whip. But it's like, you're actually, whip. and like he was saying, it hurt. Like, you know, he's whipping. And it's like, come on, dude. You know, what's, you know, so like that, and, and it was all just, and so the Al Jaffe thing, it's like, of course there's like some joke in there, but it's not, like, cause I think he had like some, like, like an ax or like some spikes and stuff in there. But like the whip was a real thing. He had a whip. He would whip guys. He would sit on top of, uh, you know, the, 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 the cabinet and make everybody bow to him. And you'd hear these stories from multiple people. And yeah, the, the one, like for me, where it first came, came on my radar was like years and years and years ago was, um, uh, Kurtzman's wife, who was like the second, like they met at, at like, you know, Atlas or Timely or whatever, you know, early, early Marvel. And like she was the one who had a lot of the because she she like didn't give a shit so she she was the one who like sort of spilled the beans on all that kind of stuff and then like you know other people kind of chimed in after there but it was it like you would think like oh this Stan Lee is a monster but it's not like he wasn't doing that stuff in the seventies you know he like it was just brief like post war probably like all bottled up you know from being like like I mean he didn't go overseas or anything but he was still in the military like he still there was some kind of like discipline and structure that was probably very tough for a guy like him who seems to have a an excess of nervous energy you know the color is very unique were you looking at anything specific for your color palette I mean I I've basically been using variations on the same color palette for like since American Barbarian I've just been kind of picking and choosing but I did like I wanted to have like minimal, like as little color as I could do. And kind of, and, and I even played with the idea of like, just kind of like leaving, you know, the faces and hands and stuff completely uncolored. So I, I, I did end up coloring them somewhat, but not, 
it, there, there's not the, you know, and there's a lot of open space too. There's a lot of open panels. So I, again, I just wanted, again, breezy, light on its open, feet. That, yeah. that open space makes it a more inviting read. Yeah, sure. Um, it's, it's not overly dense, you mm -hmm. know, as a result. Um, my last question, maybe, <laughs> is uh, I'm curious about the actual writing process because by having each page be more or less a contained scene, were you like mm -hmm. moving pages, moving things around? What was the writing process? Yeah, I mean, that, that was a a like conscious thought at the very beginning was I wanted to approach it a little bit like film and I wanted to be able to have lots of options in terms of editing and moving things around and moving them here and there. And so that was just like a really good way, like, uh, you know, the other, other reasons too, but that was a really good solution to that. If you make them sort of these isolate, so then your unit is the page, but then you have options to move things as much. And Early on in the process, I did have the idea of maybe doing like a Slaughterhouse-Five, like a completely unstuck from time kind of narrative. Now, as it evolved, it just like having a more or less chronological order just kind of, it just kind of like, yeah, no, this is working. This is where, and so I didn't have to do too much of that. You know, it's, it's largely in the framing sequence and then maybe a little bit here and there playing with time, but it was like, there, there are, there was a lot of moving the puzzle pieces around, and which is great on on a work that it's not like it's coming out in installments every month. Like I'm working on the whole thing as I'm working on each individual bit. So you know, it was a very natural process of moving these pieces around. Did you work out of sequence on some of the stuff? Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, I had a couple key things here and there, and then when I was doing like the early years, I was kind of doing those more or less in sequence. But then when we start getting closer to the Marvel years. Then I was kind of like, I just sort of wake up in the morning and be like, okay, I want to do, you know, Stan Lee at like the Marvel animation in the, like Marvel Studios in the 80s. I want to do that one today. So then kind of get in that headspace and figure that out. So I jumped around a lot, like, like it's around good, that point. Good way to keep enthused. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Yeah. The, you, the material. You, you're an important part of the process. Like, let's not, let's not completely discount the guy who's actually got to sit down and make this thing. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like the, the function of like, uh. The fight scene or something like that like like get the cool moment in yeah. there uh get the juice up and then go back and do mm -hmm. you know a, a mama's boy strip yeah right of which are a couple of great ones so let's talk uh let's talk uh data facts salesmanship man uh how many pages when is this thing coming out uh what's the price point thereabouts that the narrative is like i mean the book itself is like you know over 200 pages or whatever and then um the, the, there's going to be a free comic book day version, a free comic book day, which I think is May 6th. It's like that Saturday. And um, it's going to be like an excerpt of the book. It's a really juicy excerpt. Like, I feel like it's like a big chunk of what a lot of people are going to be coming here to see. It's like a big chunk of like the Marvel years. That's the stuff to put in there for sure. Exactly. It's going to, people like, that's what you're looking for. It also kind of gives you a sense, like, you're going to know if you're on board with this book from, from that stuff, like that, that that's, it's a good uh, litmus test or whatever. So, so we're, we're putting the, putting the best foot forward, which is always how I think about with fantastic, with a uh, free comic book day, just like put your, show us your best. Cause, cause you're going to have a lot of eyeballs on it. Uh, and then the book itself is going to come out in September. And they're also uh, releasing Jack Kirby, the Epic life of the King of comics in soft cover as sort of like, like, we said the companion piece to this, and that's that's going to be in September. And then uh, Comic Con, which I think is like the month before in in August, it's going to be sort of an early release of the book there in in limited quantities. Super cool, man. Uh, 
Uh, Tom, it's been a while since we had you on the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel, man. Thank you so much for uh, stopping by. Now that people know uh, why uh, you haven't been on the channel for a while, man. Yeah. Heck, heck of a book. Thank you for stopping by. And thanks for making the book, man. Yeah. What a pleasure to read. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you guys liked it.